hit record and let me hit this button welcome to the weekly episode of the freelancer codex podcast your host steven and co-hosts mike Devin, and jd are all set join us and tweet your questions at freelancer codex find us on facebook at freelancer codex or send emails to freelancercodex at gmail.com strap into your javelins and let's drop in and we're dropping into episode 30 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. I am your host, Steve, along with two of my co-hosts, Mike and JD. Guys, what is going on? What's happening, everybody? Howdy, folks. Great, guys. It has been a crazy week. Well, it's been a pretty long week for me. I've been working a ton. I haven't had a lot of time to check up on all the Anthem news. Luckily, there's not a ton of Anthem news, so it's not like I miss much. What is your? What have your guys' weeks been looking like? Been a good week. Just work, and that's about it. Nothing too fancy. That's all a good week is for you, Mike, is just working? You didn't do anything fun? No. Just right. plugging along. Nothing exciting. Well, you definitely make it sound super exciting that nothing has been going going on. JD, what's been going on with you for this last, what was it, two weeks since we recorded? Yeah, something like that. Um, so I started Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, I like it uh, quite a bit so far. And uh, aside from that, haven't really been doing much. I've been, uh, most of my time has been taken up with uh, working on my, uh, on my thesis paper for, the, for my master's degree. And also just uh, substitute teaching. A lot of that going on. So making that money, which I'm very happy about. We'll have two masters up on the Freelancer Codex podcast. Mike and JD with the master's degrees, huh? I guess as as teachers, are you guys more pushed to every degree you get? You kind of get a, you know, you're moving up in the teacher's realm. I don't know how teachers work. I just automatically assume that you guys all just knew everything. So as you as you get more degrees, do you move up that teacher totem pole? Well, yeah, I mean you get a you get an increase, um, like you get you move up to another uh, pay scale. Uh, at least in California, I don't know about um, where you guys are at, but um, I yeah, like every level of degree that you get, it, you get another increase in pay. So I think like instead of making like forty thousand dollars a year, I think in some places with a master's degree, I'll start at fifty five thousand. Um, so that's, that's, that's a notable difference depending on where you are. It, it, it all depends on the region really. And, uh, yeah, I guess there's not really much to say about it. It's just really easy to get your master's degree and your teaching credential at the same time though, which is why I'm doing it. Oh, I had no idea it was easy to do. Every time I hear someone talk about a master's degree, it sounds tough. Mike, did you do the same thing or did you get your master's degree the same time as you did your teaching stuff? Uh, no, I, I did not. I I went for my master's right after I did my bachelor's. Else oh. it probably wouldn't have gotten done. So I just had to stay in school or else I would have stopped. So Gotcha. It's tough. Stay in school, kids. So Mike, you got I mean, you had an exciting week. You got new recording hardware that you've been playing around with, trying to figure out how mute buttons work, right? Uh, yes. Super exciting. Uh super exciting stuff. Well, thanks, Mike, for that rousing uh, review of your new recording microphone. So, guys, let's jump into a couple, some Anthem news here, right? Why don't we? IGN came out with an article saying, Anthem, eight things we've learned so far in 2018. Have 
Now, I mean, they say this, that they learned it in 2018, but I'm going to guess that most of this stuff came from 2017. Um, a lot of the information in the article isn't really new. JD, you want to give us a quick overview of a couple of the talking points that they that they brought up? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so just allow me to pull up my, uh, my notes real quick. What, you don't have those, those on hand printed out, hard copied? <laughs> uh, no, no, not yet. It's just the push to talk thing doesn't allow me to switch tabs and continue pushing to talk at the same time. So I'm just pulling it up on my iPad real quick. That um, seems awkward. Yeah, where is it? I will oh, tell what? you where it is. It is right here where BioWare has been talking about a couple of things. One thing, most notably, we've talked, they talk a lot about, hey, you're going to go in with friends. Seems pretty obvious. They talked about a couple of the comments that we discussed previously on the sky having a limit that you can't just fly endlessly, but there's kind of a mechanic that pushes you down. It, you don't necessarily run out of thrust, but it's almost like there's a heavy strong wind um, pushing you down. We've talked about that previously. They talk about a lot of the melee attacks and maybe those being unique to each class. So you're not just going to have a standard melee attack across the three um, javelin suits or four, however many they're going to have. So that's going to be kind of unique. We did see the stomp from the Colossus. So the Ranger and the floaty javelin are probably going to be, be a little bit different. Mike, if you were a Ranger, what would your melee attack be? Sneak from behind, stab in the neck kind of melee attack or just kind of hit you with a stick melee attack? You'd hope a ranger would be a little bit sneaky. Um, I, I'm 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 down with just like a fist punch with a knife or something. That would be a cool attack. But I guess if you're in a javelin, maybe like maybe like the javelin. Ooh ooh, I really like the uh, the uh, way that on Pacific Rim where Gypsy Danger's hand like makes the cannon. You could do some of that, something kind of like that with like a pulse boxing glove or something. That would be cool. That would be pretty cool if you had some special effect that your your fist changed or put some plasma around it or something. That would be pretty cool. That would cool. be cool. That would be Happy Wicked. Sweet. And then they talked about swimming. Um, at first, they were playing around with the idea of being, being able to swim um, unlimitedly. Is that the right way to say that? You could swim forever without having to come up for oxygen. But they're kind of changing that. There you go. Infinitely works too. So just a couple of things like that. They haven't really... I mean, we swam for a little bit. We saw a couple fish. We saw Deadlight Caverns, I think is the name of that. And then we just popped out of the water and started shooting some ba- shooting some mans. So one thing that they were talking about that um, I found kind of interesting, they talk about battle scars. So they say, doing battle with human-eating monsters is sure to take a toll on your javelin. Human-eating monsters? Do you think that's all the monsters eat? What did you just say, meat-eating monsters? But anyway. Well, I they have said in like previous interviews that like humanity on this planet is at the bottom of the food chain. So I think they're just re-emphasizing that these things want to eat us. Hmm. You would think the thing at the bottom of the food chain that can make robots would kind of put you at the top of the food chain? I don't know. We'll have to see. That just Holmes says the team is interested in adding visible wear to your exosuit as it takes damage, but he's currently unclear on whether or not we can incorporate it into the final shader solution. So, fair to say that that's a really cool idea that as you're going out you're fighting you're getting damaged you're also receiving damage on your suit that's visible to you and your character right i don't think anyone would say no that's dumb we shouldn't have that 
Unless you guys are like yeah. super against this for some reason. I'm sure there is that group that would say that that's dumb, but I think it's cool. It's especially if it if it becomes a unique thing, especially if it if it adds some characterization and it's not just a generic oh your arm here's your arm animation here's your you know chest animation if it's if it's specific to what you choose to do in battle that that would actually be pretty cool so it would be cool if it was dynamic and it wasn't oh you've lost this much health so now your leg starts to look scratched up and it's the same thing exactly. all the time so if you actually exactly. get damaged in the upper portion of your body it reflects that right I know they did something similar in Dragon Age Inquisition, which was like they had like armor tarnishing effects, um, and that that's another game by Bioware. And basically, like the longer you were out exploring um, in one of their like kind of like open maps, um, as you like track through mud and dirt and that sort of thing, it wasn't super obvious, um, but you were able to see your armor and stuff like getting tarnished, getting dirty, like losing its shine a little bit. Like if you were tracking, well, tracking around in the mud or snow, you would see like bit of that like state will stay on like the lower legs of your uh, of your outfit because you were like knee high in snow or mud or whatever. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I think anything that gives you more of a sense of immersion is is great for the game. So even if hey, if you're walking around in a bunch of in a really dusty deserty map and you start seeing, you know, maybe dust collecting. If you're in the snow, snow collects. Um, could be pretty taxing on on hardware though, but I think that's a great you know idea. What always pulls me out of games. What is when like is when like I'm walking through an environment that I know makes footprints, and and the footprints that I leave behind don't translate to like my my actual what my footprints would look like. Like if I know that my boots have a certain shape, but then the footprints are just generic. That really pulls me out of a game. Yeah, I can see how it can be frustrating. I mean, it's the little details that I think can really suck you into a game and bring you into it. And it's things that are overlooked like that. Maybe if the team didn't have enough time or it was just one of those things that, well, this isn't important right now. We'll get to it later. It can it can take you out of the game and it can break the immersion, especially if it's something you want to get really deep into. So I understand that. Is there a game recently you've been playing where you're like, hey, my footprint does not match up? Um, it might have. It, no. Okay. Not one that I can think of recently. I can't remember I can't remember what I was doing that gave me that, that I made that, that um, connection with. I don't, I don't remember if I was playing a game or if I was watching a show with my kids. You were because that happens too. Super Mario I, you know, 64. I bet. No, I think I was watching. I think I was watching Dino Trucks with my kids, and and these trucks wasn't making any tread marks on the ground that he was driving on. I think that's what it was. So it doesn't take you out of the video game. It takes you out of the children's cartoon show. Man, but I was submerged. That that show pulls you in. You were submerged into Dino Trucks, huh? <laughs> They were trying to uh, yeah. build those bridges, and so remember when you were commenting on how like I was making like mundane life really exciting. Uh huh. Well, like there you go. That's that's what I do. Well, I appreciate your efforts, Mike. 
Well done. You tell us what D's... Man, does the name D's Trucks just, like, make you upset and want to punch yourself it's, in, it's, the, in no, the groin? No, because it's not, it's not D's Trucks. It's D-Strucks. Oh, like it's D-Strucks? Yeah, like destruction. D-Strucks. It's not like, yo, man, it, right? it's D's Trucks yeah. over here in the parking lot. No, it's not. It's not that. It's not that at all. You have to, you have to say it right. You're not saying it right. Capso? What? I release you for you from your human body. Gotta I say it channel- right, Steve. I was channeling my inner, my inner, your inner, inner what? Pirates. Your inner pirate getting ready for some Sea of Thieves. Oh, Sea of Thieves. Anyway, I'm, a, I'm excited. You should be excited for Sea of Thieves. Tangent. We did. We got off on a I'll tangent. bring it back. I staff apologize. changes. Tangents lead to staff changes. So we've had a couple of, um, well, JD, you really like Bioware stories. I don't know if anyone knows that or, uh, about you or not, but you you really this, like Bioware stories. This is brand new information. This should actually be the top <laughs> of the news for, for the podcast that JD likes Bioware stories. So JD... Your favorite author. I don't know if he's your favorite author or not. Have you read any of Drew Karpshin's books before? Uh, several. All several of, of his okay. books. I, I read all of his Mass Effect books. I read his Darth Bane trilogy. Um, I haven't read his Darth Revan book yet, and I haven't read... Is that the newest Star um, Trek book he wrote? Uh, what? I was, I was asking if that was his newest Star Trek book that he wrote. The Dark uh, Revan no. Series. No. No, no, no. That, that's his new book for Star Wars The Old Republic. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, continue on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, uh, Drew Karpishin, um has left Bioware again. That's um, That was a big news of uh, last week, kind of. And um, he's left to uh, pursue his original work, a sci fi graphic novel that he's co creating and freelance gaming work and um he he said uh on his website everyone who works at bioware pours their heart and soul into the games they are making it's creatively demanding and at times exhausting in the past i've managed to juggle outside projects with my work at bioware but it always took a toll and there were always outside projects i had to pass on because they would represent a conflict of interest with bioware or ea properties so you you know what also he said because he's going to be a freelancer. You know what freelancers say all the time. Pay me my uh, money. There's a shape <laughs> storm on the other side. In cash. Nope, they just want their money because they're freelancers. Money, money, gonna, money. You're gonna have to play that again because I think JD talked over it. No, it's okay. JD's always talking over my little clips. Anyway, go ahead, JD. So he's leaving. He's gonna go write some books. Will he be back? I don't know. Maybe he's done it before, so I don't see why not. I mean, it doesn't sound like they left on bad terms at all. Sounds like it was a very mutual agreement that, hey, I'd like to go pursue this. All my work is done on the main Anthem storyline, I'm assuming. Um, They probably have the groundwork for what the game is going to be, what the storyline is going to be. I don't know if they have it for 10 years, like they've been saying uh, Anthem is going to be a 10-year long um, running game. But I'm sure that the majority of the storyline is done by Drew. So... I think it's good for for the people that have been working in the industry this long to go out, you know, get their creative juices out somewhere else, maybe take a break, come back, renew their vigor for the franchises they're working on. I can see how working at one place for that long on the same franchise year after year after year, especially as a creative person, 
they want to go out and they want to create and not just be stuck doing the same thing. Um, so I hope it works out well for him and I hope his books are successful. And then, hey, if he comes back, I'm sure Bioware would love to have him back. Yeah, um, I know that uh, I've always been a fan of his work. Um, I'm still, I still want to read his uh, original trilogy. Um, I started it, but I, I didn't finish it. Um, not that I didn't like it. It's just I. It's not for everybody. I just forgot to come back to it. But um, either way, so there were um, some little tidbits about Anthem that came out. Um, specifically, uh, Casey Hudson saying on Twitter that. Um, Story will always be an important part of every Bioware game. Drew has wrapped up his work on the project, but Anthem's lead writers and their teams continue to do amazing work developing the world's story and characters. Uh, and then this was followed up by Mike Gamble saying on Twitter, uh, story has always been and continues to be a huge part of uh, what we do. And uh, basically just, they really took the time um, after Drew's departure to just reemphasize um, how important uh, storytelling is uh, not only to just Bioware in general, but how it's going to play a role in Anthem. And um, did they forget that when they were doing Andromeda? This is, is that what? What was that? I was asking if they forgot about how important story was when they were doing Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, most of the complaints I've heard about Andromeda were technical ones, not necessarily. I was being ones more facetious, JD. Sorry. It's little, no, it's okay. Carry on. I understand. It's my monotone voice. Sorry, uh, I did not yeah, mean to so derail you. Go ahead. Michael, stop it. So, Thank you. Mike Laidlaw um, also said in an interview uh, basically that um, he's very hopeful for Anthem because based off of what he knows about it, um, he thinks that if they can, uh, if they can manage to uh, bring their sort of uh, unique brand of reactive storytelling to um, a cooperative uh, gaming experience. Something uh, really awesome. And he talked about games like Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2 as like being examples that it can be done, that it can work. Um, but given this and uh, the tweets and, you know, Drew's departure and, you know, Drew being... Um, uh, a writer in his own right. I was just wondering, like, what's your guys' thoughts on uh, storytelling uh, in Anthem? Or, like, is it something that you guys are excited for? Is it something you guys want? Um, like, what kind of story, if any, did you guys want to see? Like, just like just your general thoughts on it. General thoughts, Mike, do you want to go first, or do you want me to talk while you gather your thoughts? Go ahead. Okay, general thoughts on it. Um, story, I haven't really thought a ton about, you know, if the story will actually... I don't think the story is going to be the main draw to the game. I think it's going to be a big part of it, but I don't think we'll be replaying the game day in, day out because of the storyline. I would like for there to be a well-crafted, you know, single-player campaign that keeps you going, teaches you the systems, keeps the game interesting, but I don't... I find it hard to see how it'll be the main draw in a game that they want you to come back to and play over and over and over again, if that makes any sense. Like, more and more, as, as I've been diving into the Sea of Thieves beta, like, there's no story there. But, man, the game's fun. I mean, it can survive without a story. I know there's going to be small story tidbits and background lore of the world. But 
there's not a huge draw to play that game for the story. So I can see how, you know, for Bioware, that's what they do. They do story, they do characters, they do character romances. But I just haven't seen anything in the in the seven minute trailer that we have so far. I haven't heard anything in any of the developers' comments on the Reddit that make me think that, yeah, that's one story. I definitely got to play this game to see. I mean, so far I just haven't seen it, so it really hasn't been on my radar much. Mike, you? I think, I think, um, so I think there's two distinctions here. I think there's story, and I think there's world-building lore. And as far as the story goes, you're probably right. We're going to have ten missions of, number one, get your javelin. Number two, um, retrieve this said artifact and bring it back here for analysis so we know what we're dealing with. Mission three is... A group of people got lost somewhere, go find them. So I think we're going to have 10 of your very basic story, um, I don't want to say modes, but basic storytelling devices. And I, and that's going to be all fine and good. I focus more and put more um, energy, not energy, and put more um, weight on story build, on um, world building lore. That's what I want. I want to be able to to know why I'm in Fort Tarsus. I want some backstory behind Praxley. Um, why is my javelin? Why are these the modes that I have? Is it is it tested that these modes that these um, um, subclasses are the ones that are the best? Or or because really, why can't I have you know a laser shark? Like, like, what is prohibiting me? So I want, I want some good story, some good world-building lore that that helps define where I am, define what I'm doing, and give me purpose for what I'm doing. Would you aside rather, from just basic story motions? Would you rather them give you this? So it sounds like you would rather be able to imagine in your head all the background. Is it better for you to, for them not to tell you everything? To just give you tiny I need, little tidbits. I need to. I need to know enough to set the parameters. So you don't need I don't, them to line out. Hey, <laughs> this is what happened on this date. This is what happened on this date. You'd rather just have a broken down statue somewhere out in the area that you come across, and it gives you a little bit of tidbit or a little bit of mystery about what actually happened there. Yeah, I do need some. Well, whoa, your microphone if, just changed if, big time. If I were to if I were to live with some mystery, then that would be great. But I think I also need to, you know, have a little bit to point me in the right direction as I build this world in my head. Gotcha. Devin, would you rather have it all just lined out for you? Or do you want that mystery there so you can come up with these stories in your head? Your own lore, as we say. Um, well, to kind of piggyback off of what uh, I came in on the conversation, um, you know, I hope it's not like... Destiny or the division where there's only we went the whole amount. episode without saying it, Devin. The whole episode hey, so far. I gotta bring it in there. I gotta bring it in every time. Because I mean that's what you guys are making it sound like. It's just gonna have the status quo basically of open world, you know, console action RPG shooters. I mean that's kind of the status quo right now. With anything like that, is there's a set in sort of missions that just give you the story, and then everything after that is just little side missions of just something to keep you on the grind. 
So I'm hoping there's more than just what we've already had so far, especially since it is Bioware. I'm sure, J.D., I didn't hear what he said, but I'm sure he mentioned, you know, Bioware is all about the story. How did you know that he mentioned that? Were you listening? I just know J.D. (laughs) J.D., I think Devin was... uh... Oh, thanks, Devin. Uh, You know, so I'm just, you know, for me, I think they're going to go a little bit different, you know, than what, what we have. I mean... If you're looking to try and differentiate yourself, you know, besides the world setting and the javelins, I mean, they need to do something else to make it different and uh, memorable. And so I'm I'm hoping they're going to go with a lot more story information. But I'm fine with also, you know, going out into the wild and finding, you know, items that give you some lore and some background. I don't need it all explained to me, but I... I don't mind if they tell us a specific story and then give us more, more background information as they go on. As you know, we play more of Anthem as we get past the initial launch title and get into DLC or whatever you want to call it, expansions. You know, where they can tell, give you more backstory as we keep going. They don't have to give it to me all at the front. Just you know, um, I don't even know that I need set parameters because. I think we can kind of figure that out as we go. Maybe I don't know. Do you even... It's a whole new world and different opportunities, different set of rules. Um, so we just—I think you know if we kind of figure Shining, those out as we go. Shimmering, splendid. Yeah. JD, <laughs> JD, do you even need story in this game to keep you interested in Anthem, or has the seven-minute um, gameplay trailer been enough for you, or does it have to have a Bioware storyline about saving the universe? I don't think. You know, I don't think it has to have that, but I, I'm expecting that because it is Bioware that there's going to be more story-oriented and focused. And uh, I'm hoping they go beyond what we've had so far. And um, Because as we know, replaying the same story missions from our own experience from playing other games that have already come out in the same style genre um, just does not work. You know, there's, there's no point in replaying those story missions unless you can change something. And in all the current games, you can't change anything. It's all just a set linear path. Whereas with Bioware games, you can make different choices, go down different narrative paths if you choose to say something else, you know, to that person. Or if you choose to go a different direction. And I'm hoping that that's the way they're going because of some of the early things like, you know, your choices, uh, you either live or die by your choices. You know, you got to live with what you've done. So, yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, I'm hoping it'll be more opportunities to replay some of those things, even if you have to start over new with another javelin, I really don't know what they're going to do. You know, I'm hoping, uh, obviously, when they go to EA Play, they're going to give us more of a deep dive into the game, and then maybe even at the Microsoft press conference, they'll show off some more. I'm guessing, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I did. I did just want to take uh, a second just to uh, say to Mike, uh, if you're a fan of good world building, you're going to like. Well, I mean. You could you could play any of the older Bioware games like Mass Effect, Dragon Age. Uh, their world building is always very good. Um, like, it, it it's never like super front loaded. It's usually like you might get you get a a good amount of information at the start, and then like I've said in previous episodes of the podcast, they usually have either a codex or a glossary um, of other things that you can look up if you want more specific details on the world itself, but. The, for the most part, they do a very good job of of um, 
feeding you information about where you are in a natural way. In some of their older games, it's a little bit more obvious that because some characters come off as like walking encyclopedias or uh, historians. But um, Dragon Age, Mass Effect especially, uh, did a very good job of like giving you information while still leaving enough like unclear that it's still mysterious. Like in Dragon Age, one of the biggest things is that some of the information that they gave you about the world in earlier games is actually... Uh, incorrect versions of what actually happened because it's stuff that happened, you know, thousands of years ago. And it's, it's, they just do very good world building. And uh, like Mike Laidlaw was saying, um, if they manage to bring that sort of like reactive storytelling, the choices, um, the, this, uh, you know, like who lives, who dies, you know, how do you react to this? What do you do in the situation? They managed to bring that to like a co-op uh, game like, I think that not only will there be a good amount of reason for replayability in terms of the story, but I also just feel like it'll make, it'll bring a little bit of that element of like, um, like a D&D session a little bit to um, co-op games where it's like you, you're going on an adventure and you're shaping the adventure with your friends and having like a shared experience that's unique to yourself and your buddies. That means you have to find friends, Michael. <clears throat> Never gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Was, oh, no problem, man. Well, I think I'll be we, your friend. I think we've exhausted the news that has cropped up for the last week and week and a half. Hopefully, and it's not gonna happen. We're not gonna get any new news um, next week, but we'll keep digging in there, trying to find anything about Anthem that we possibly can. Before we sign off, Devin, since you came in late, is there anything that you wanted to say? Any shout-outs to your uh, Anthem peeps out there? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I missed most of the episode, but uh, these guys, you talked about uh, the Microsoft press conference and those kind of things. Oh, no, we'll talk so, about that next time. we got to spread out all this massive content, Devin. Spread out the love. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to be down there, so hopefully we can get in to that. But we, I mean, we can talk about that next week. But, uh, you know, I'm excited. There's lots of opportunity this E3 to... Get a lot of Anthem news. I mean, we know it's not coming out till next year, you know, so we got time. But, you know, this E3, like Steven, you know, he predicted it perfectly. You know, we're not going to get news till E3. None of us believed him. We should believe in him more, I guess. It's true. Um, that is true. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, make sure we <laughs> get reminded of that every time. Every Turn it into a soundbite. Turn it into a soundbite. Yeah, it's crazy but, that we're uh, not going to hear anything till E3. Still blows my yeah. mind. Honestly, I mean, it's not a big. I mean, before it was a big deal, but it's like there's so many other games, and like every every other day, there's like more game announcements and all kinds of things that are going on. And you know, you talked about Sea of Thieves just a minute ago. I'm super stoked for that game coming out. And there's definitely a lot of lessons that Anthem can learn from a lot of different games. And uh, you know, so well, I guess you know we'll see at E3, and I'm excited for us to be there and to get some hopefully. First-hand experience, maybe you never know. So and corn dogs, and corn dogs. And Mike's probably gonna find the first uh, chance he get to run off to Disneyland. You'll just turn around and Mike's gone. It's like where'd Mike go? Where'd Mike go? Oh, he's at Disneyland, Disneyland. again. <laughs> you just see a pair of mouse ears disappear into a sea of people. Yeah, there goes Mike. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, guys, it has been a fantastic time on episode 30 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. I appreciate you freelancers coming out, hanging out with us, talking about Anthem, the future of the freelancers, the future of Fort Tarsus, the future of 
freedom. I needed another F word, but I didn't want to say the other F word. So, <laughs> hey guys, French fries. French fries. You can find us at all those places that start with Freelancer Codex. You know them. You got them. You go there, or don't, or whatever, or just forget about it. But hey, there's a shaper storm on the horizon. They don't say on the horizon, do they? Man, it feels like a shaper storm coming. There you go. We'll see you on the see other side. Later. Bye bye. I think Mike just went to bed. It's like, mute myself, I'm out.